don't know about you Presbyterians that are clapping like that. <laughs> Probably doing it to get rid of me or something, huh? No, I'm just kidding. I really am. It's fun. Thank you all. Um, it can go through my mind sometimes, and I talk with uh, enough of you over the course of uh, well, the days and the weeks here. I know it goes through some of your minds as well, wondering what God is doing in our personal lives, our family lives. Why, why does he do the things that he does in the way that he does them? I mean, we often can, can ask the question, is he, is he, does he really love us? Is he really with us? Does he really care? I mean, you can look around, and, and particularly in these days of, of social media, it's like everybody else seems to be doing really well. And it doesn't always seem to be that fair. And I'm not minimizing the fact that, that even those people that I meet with, even, even my own mindset, I'm not minimizing the fact that good things happen. There are good things that happen a lot um, to, to most of us a lot of the time. But there is this running question in our lives why doesn't God just make everything okay? So our passage this morning deals with some of these same issues. We're going through Malachi, written a long time ago to a people that lived in a whole different world than we did. But I hope you're seeing that, um, I don't know, there's a, there's a lot of things that uh, are different but there are also a lot of things that are the same. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to read from Malachi chapter 2. It's printed for you in your, your bulletins as well. I'm going to read from the end of chapter 2, verse 17, all the way, not all the way, but just a few verses, chapter 3, verse 6. So it's Malachi 2, verses 17 through chapter 3, verse 6. Please now, uh, this is God's word. You have wearied the Lord with your words. But you say, how have we wearied him? By saying, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord and he delights in them, or by asking sometimes, where is the God of justice? Here's the answer to those questions. Behold, I send my messenger and he will prepare, prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple the messenger of the covenant, in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old, as in former years. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker and his wages, the widow, the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the sojourner. And those who do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. 
Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this prophet. We thank you for Malachi. We thank you We thank you that you have not left us. Ask that you would bless us this morning as we as we look at this world that you've created in light of who you are and what you're doing. Bless us now in Christ's name. Amen. So if I were to, to speculate some here, if I were to, in my own words, imagine this, this conversation, if you will, that Malachi is having with the people, it would, it would go a little bit like this. They would be looking at Malachi and they would say, hey, Malachi, what you have to say about God's love and his faithfulness, we like that. That's good. We even kind of believe it. And, and then he, you might even be right about some of our problems. You might even be right, says the people to Malachi, about the priests and the leaders. Um, they aren't exactly doing what they need to be doing. We're aware of that. It impacts the people, and therefore we're not uh, doing exactly what we need to be doing. But what about all those other bad people outside. All those bad people that don't come to the temple. And they seem to be doing a little bit better than we're doing. I mean, they have the good jobs. They have, it seems like, the good things that are happening to them. They actually have a king. We don't have a king. We don't see a whole bunch of evidence that God is really here with us. And sometimes it doesn't seem to matter if we're good or bad. Because it seems like the same things happen to all of us. It's the age-old dilemma, is it not? Job speaks about it in the Bible. Even the psalmist in Psalm 73, he writes... As for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps almost slipped. I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They don't seem to be in trouble as others are. Now, if you read the rest of that psalm, Psalm 73, you'll see that he ultimately does come along when he sees that God is his strength and God is his portion. But here, Malachi has to do something a little bit different. He asks the question. Actually, it's God asking the question through Malachi. He says, you have wearied the Lord with your words by saying, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord. God even delights in the evil. Where is the God of justice? That's what they're doing. Now, let's be real clear here. It's not that God doesn't want us to express, he doesn't, it's not like he doesn't want to hear our concerns. Please understand this. He does want to hear our concerns. He does want to hear about our struggles. He does want to hear about our pain. He does want to hear about our darts, doubts. But Malachi is not describing the people's prayers to God as they cry out in need because God is actually pleased about that. This is not actually a pleading out in the faith after the promises of God. They're actually inverting good and evil. They're living as if God doesn't care about justice, as if God doesn't care about the evil in the world, about, as if God does. They're acting like they care more about right and wrong than God does. 
and they were grumbling. Grumbling is a a problem of God's people all through the history of the Bible. Grumbling comes from a heart of pride. Grumbling leads to disillusionment. And if we're disillusioned with God, we usually try to fix things ourselves in our own way. And usually when we try to fix things ourselves in our own way, it usually leads us into sin. It's not hard to identify with the people, at least for me, with the people here in Malachi's day. I know many of you have been hurt by other people in the workplace, school, in your relationships. I know many of you have sometimes even been wronged inside the church. And some things are never really ever completely made right. It's a fact. And we're left to wonder, why is God not fixing this? The rest of the passage answers this type of question. And, and I want to I convince you this morning that it not only answers them, it, it gives us an intellectual answer that is that's solid. But it's actually more than an answer. And this is what I want you to grab a hold of this morning. Malachi provides a view of the world that provides clarity for God's people, that leads us in a way of wisdom and provides strength to live faithfully until either we die or Jesus Christ comes back. That's what's in this passage here this morning. It's not only an answer to the problems of the world. It's actually a view of the world that I want you all, I want myself to grab hold of because it provides clarity It leads us in the way of wisdom and it provides strength to live faithfully for the rest of our lives here on earth. The answer goes like this. First of all, he starts out, it's in verse one. Behold, I have have a way of translating behold and you can use it almost everywhere in the Bible where you read this word. You know, know, when God says behold, you know what what he's saying? It's it's literally look at me. You, You do it with your children, right? I remember when they were growing up, it was like, I won't use their names. Um, You could pick any one of them. But it's like, hey, I need you to look at me. I need you to to stop thinking about anything else. I need you to stop looking at your sister and your mom. And it happens to you, doesn't it? Your daddy does that. Look at me, right? Yeah, you're smiling. He says, look at me. I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the Lord, the messenger of the covenant, in whom you delight, he is coming. That's the answer. Right? We know the answer already here. If you've been at Redeemer any time at all, if you've been a Christian any time at all, you know the answer is right there. At Malachi's day, at a future point, God's going to appear, make all things right. He will vindicate the righteous and he will decisively defeat the wicked, even the wicked among his own people. And since we are now readers of the New Testament, we know that the messenger was John the Baptist. And we know that the Lord, me, he says, the messenger of the covenant, we know that that was Jesus Christ. This is the good news. That's the answer. Today, this is the good news They had to look forward to the coming of Jesus Christ. We look back to the coming of Jesus Christ. We place our faith and we place our trust in Christ. We seek to live for him. We know that ultimately everything's gonna be made right. 
But sometimes we're not that much different than the people in Malachi's day. Something seems to be lacking. It's not exactly what we thought it would be. I know this is an overused illustration, but the reason why Malachi's answering the folks in in Malachi's day here, the the Jewish um, people, it's like, I don't even know if I should use this illustration. It's the only one that came to my mind, but this is an older movie, right? You, You guys remember A Few Good Men? You had had, uh, Jack Nicholson, the commander of some training unit. I think they were Marines. You had Tom Cruise, a military attorney, trying to make things right. Remember that big courtroom scene where Tom Cruise passionately says, I'm just looking for the truth here? And then Jack Nicholson, in the way that he talks, and very passionately says, you can't handle the truth? That's part of the way Malachi's answering the people here. You see, here it is. We want things to be fixed, and we should want things to be fixed. But we kind of want them to be fixed in our own way. And the problem is we don't get it like God gets it. God doesn't just have to fix the world. I mean, this, this happens all the time, I, I promise you. I, this happens way too many times. And I know it will never happen again, but you're still thinking it, so it's still happening after I tell you this. But it's like, Hey, that was a great sermon, Todd. That doesn't happen all the time, but when it does happen. Hey, that was a great sermon, Todd. I sure do wish so-and-so was here. Right? See, God just doesn't have to fix the world, all the evil people out there. He has to fix us as well, even those of us who know Jesus Christ. We still need fixing. And this is where our view of the world beginning of wisdom comes the strength to carry on this is the beginning of that even though that we know Jesus Christ even though that we are perfect in his eyes we are still not perfect until he comes back we are not complete verse 2 who can endure the day of his coming who can stand when he appears you see for, for God to make things right he's going to be like a refiner You know what a refiner is. He separates impurities. He separates the worthless stuff from the valuable stuff. Fuller's soap here. It's it's really a translation because there was no soap in that day. There were just harsh components to remove stains. So when we ask God to fix everything, unbeknownst to us, even as we're praying that, Lord, would you fix everything, do you realize that we're asking God to fix ourselves as well? Because the problem isn't always just out there. It's in here too. Verse three, this is where Peter gets this idea that judgment begins at the household of God. In verse three, in Malachi, he's coming to the people of Levi, the sons of Levi. God is very worried about who his people are and there's a reason for that. You can jump down to verse five because we can easily read this where he says, I'm gonna draw near to you for judgment. It will be a swift witness against, he says, the sorcerers, adultery, those who swear falsely, those who don't treat others as God treats them and and not fearing God. And we say, I don't have a problem. I'm not a sorcerer. I don't do tarot cards. I don't do voodoo dolls. I don't live in New Orleans. You realize sorcery is attempting to manipulate supernatural powers to serve our own purposes and desires. 
You realize if, if we go to church because we think it's going to help our lives run more smoothly, that's functional sorcery. We need refining because everybody does that a little bit. It's, it's there. It's in us. I hope God, God blesses me because I come to church. And you're supposed to come to church, but that's not why God blesses you. Adultery, we can say, oh, I haven't committed adultery. Everybody here in some form or fashion has sought something or someone else to love other than God. We need refining. Those who swear falsely, well, I don't lie. We often edit, shape our own versions of a story put out our desires, even ourselves, in the best possible light. That's swearing falsely. Don't treat others as God would have us treat them, the hired worker, the widows, the orphans, the needy. There are all sorts of needy people around us. And sometimes we forget about them. Those who don't fear God, not a matter of being terrified by him, but genuine concern, which is a type of fear, for taking God seriously, humbly, obediently. The fact of the matter is, when we ask God to fix the world, we're also asking God to fix us. This is the beginning of clarity. This is the beginning of wisdom. It's a, it's a humble acknowledgement that even though we do need everything to be fixed, even though we should want everything to be fixed, the fact of the matter is we all need to be fixed until Jesus Christ comes back. So verse three and four is what's to come for the people of Malachi's day. And it's what's already happened for us now in Jesus Christ. He has come, he has sat as a refiner, a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi, refine them like gold and silver, and then they will bring offerings and righteousness to the Lord. These offerings will be pleasing to the Lord. Now, we now know, listen, this is important. We now know that the only way that God can come and refine, cleanse his people and not destroy us is for that refining, cleansing work first to be poured out in Christ. That's what happened on the cross. He came in judgment and that judgment was experienced in the person of Jesus Christ. It's by his life, especially through his death that this refining work has begun. And it's what Malachi is pointing us to here. God has begun the judgment on evil. God has begun the beginning of the end on the cross and it won't be complete until, until he comes again. And in the meantime, this is what you need to recognize. We are now living in the time of grace. It's what Peter was talking about in the New Testament lesson. Opportunity for other people to see and know Christ. We want everything to be fixed, but we also want our unbelieving friends to come to know Jesus. It can't happen all at the same time. For those who already know Jesus, it's a time where we become more like Christ. You want to know why it's important for us to become more like Christ? Because the other people that don't know Jesus, maybe the only Jesus they will ever see is when you live in accord with what Christ has said. See, the good news, the gospel is not only joyful news that Jesus Christ has come, that he's died for our sins, that we've been forgiven. That is the good news. By faith, we are new creatures in Christ. But the good news is also that God is at work in us. He is purifying for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Paul writes about it to Titus in chapter two. Jesus Christ gave himself for us 
to redeem us, to purify us, a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. First Peter says this, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you agree by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, will result in praise, glory, and honor. See, it's not only the big trials that God is refining us. Those are, those are important. They're very, you, we've got to be there for other people when they go through those big trials. But it's not only the big trials, it's, it's everyday life trials. This is the refining process in, the two, in between the two comings of Jesus Christ. How we handle disagreements with our spouses, our friends, and other people. It's part of what God places in front of us to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ so that other people will see that he's come. The struggles of how to raise children to stay connected with family, those are opportunities in the refining process to become more like Christ. All the decisions that we have to make and we don't know exactly what to do, this is all a part of the refiner's work. We're learning to live by faith, looking to Christ, trusting to him more than what we see, more than we trust ourselves. This is a view of the world that provides clarity, that leads to the way of wisdom, that provides strength to live faithfully as God's people. We share in Christ's sufferings to bring glory to God. And we all suffer. We all suffer. We all struggle. We all are in the refining process. Until Christ returns, we're to bear the marks of Christ to one another, with one another, for one another, proclaiming the name of Christ to the world. See, we have an opportunity for Jesus Christ to work in us whenever we speak and talk and work through problems that we come across every day for hurts that we have, for sadnesses that we have, for conflict that we have. It's, an, it's God's refining process. And, we, and here's the beautiful thing about this. You don't even have to get it right. Do you, do you realize that? You, you don't even have to get it right. Because what happens is, when, when I go home, I'm gonna say, mm, I'm not gonna have a fight with Josie this week at all, my wife. And what's gonna happen before I know it, we're gonna get in an argument. And I'm gonna mess it up, and I have two choices. I can keep messing it up and try to fix it on my own, or I can actually go to God and say, oh, Lord, I just messed this up. I, it was an opportunity for me to respond to Josie in the way that you would want me to respond, and I didn't do it, so I say I'm sorry to you, and then I walk over to Josie, and I say, that was my opportunity to, to actually become more like Christ, and I messed it all up, so will you please forgive me, and then we just start all over again. That's what faith and repentance is all about. Every little thing that comes in front of you, you have the opportunity to become more like Jesus Christ. And even when you mess it up, you still have the opportunity to become more like Jesus Christ. Everything that happens for you little kids out here, this is how you learn to deal with your mom and dad for the glory of God. Because your parents are gonna mess it up too. And it's their opportunity to say, I'm sorry to God, and then come and say, I'm sorry to you, I messed it up, but we're gonna try again because Jesus is with us. Our salvation, we need to remember this. Our salvation is not due to what wonderful people we are. Do you realize that? It's not even how hard we try. It's because in verse six, it's because the Lord doesn't change. 
Therefore, we are not consumed. God doesn't need to change. We do. And here's the beautiful thing. We have more power to change today because of Jesus than they did in Malachi's day. All they had was the temple. All they had was the sacrifices. We have Christ. And the power of Christ in us is greater than our sin. See, that's not only an intellectual answer. The intellectual answer is God became man, sent his son. He died on a cross to forgive us for our sins. We now live in him and and we can be different. This, This time now, after coming to know Jesus, is to be conformed into the image of Christ. It's the power of his life. It's the power of his death. It's the power of his resurrection in us. And it's greater than the power of sin. This is our time to shine, not with ourselves, but with the glory of God in Jesus Christ. It's in the refining process of God conforming us to the image of Jesus Christ that God draws other people to himself. Don't don't you see that? This is really important. We talk about reaching and equipping in this church all the time. Everybody knows that if you've been here for more than one year. That's, that's our, we reach and equip. equip. Um, same thing in the confession of faith. It's, it's gathering and perfecting. You gotta do both those things at the same time. And the only way to reach is to be equipped with the gospel. And the way that we're equipped with the gospel is, is, is yes, coming to church, but is, yes, surrounding yourself by brothers and sisters in Christ that you wouldn't normally hang out with that are going to be challenging to you, that are going to sometimes be irritating to you, that are going to sometimes tell you things that you don't want to hear, and they are placed in your life as part of the refining process to become more like Jesus because when people see us dealing with one another more like Jesus, the, the world will take notice and will be the aroma of Christ. But you know what the aroma of Christ is? Some people are gonna like the smell and other people are not gonna like the smell. That's okay. This is the vision for Redeemer right here, for us to love one another so well and to learn how to love each other so well and to fail even a lot, but then respond with faith and repentance. And we do that so well that people in the world that we know will see us and say, something's weird going on over there. And we need to go see it. So all you folks that were visiting, you said you were church shopping and stuff like that. You can stop shopping. Keep shopping. But that's what we want to be here. We want to be Malachi too. We, we, we want to cry out to God in faith. And we want to realize that Jesus Christ is at work in our lives and everything that, that we, when we talk about property in the, in the future, that's an opportunity for us to be refined into the image of Jesus Christ and become more like him. When somebody irritates you, we have the opportunity to become more like Jesus Christ. And we don't give up on each other. We don't sit over here and over there because we don't like all those people. We're all coming to the table because we know we're trying. It doesn't mean we have to like each other. It means we have to love each other. The refining process, it happens every day. That's why we're here, to be refined so that we can be more like Jesus, so that other people can know Jesus, so that other people will want Jesus so that when Jesus Christ comes back, everything will be made right. It's it's beautiful. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your promises to us in Jesus Christ. We thank you that even in a moment, you have blessed us with the opportunity to feed uh, spiritually on the life and death of Christ. We are reminded that Jesus Christ died for us, and we're now called to die for the world, to die for our families, Not not in a saving way, 
but in a way that points other people to Jesus Christ. Would we be that people this morning? Would we be that people in the days to come? Would your work, would your work in God's spirit change us from the inside out? Would you be glorified in Christ's name? Amen.